Welcome to the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode one, our premiere episode. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. My name is Dwayne, and joining me each and every week is my co-host and good friend Dan. Dan, how's it going? It's going absolutely spectacularly. This is a great way to start a new year, I gotta tell you. We've been talking about this for for like a month or so, and it is it is time. We are doing this. This is this is great. So happy that you are along for the ride. And uh, in case you're you're new, uh, just found this episode, didn't listen to the introduction. Each week, what we're going to do is we're going to read through about fifteen or so comics. And then get together and talk about characters, villains, stories, and how they may impact Moon Knight as he makes his way into the MCU later on this year. So we, we've got a, a stack of, of, of comics that we've read through, and, and we're going to talk about them and give you everything you need to know about them to kind of help you uh, get into the new series coming out. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to give you a little bit background of background of each of us, so you have an idea of what our perspective is on this. And uh, Dan, why don't you tell people about your background in comics, in Marvel, in Moon Knight, all all of that, uh, so that we can get the ball rolling. Sure. My name is Dan Newland. I have been collecting and reading comics uh, for a very long time now. Um, started when I was a kid, and Moon Knight was one of the characters I really became attached to um, in in my early teens. So he is a character that has been around for a long time in the Marvel Universe, but has never really been somebody who's been a prominent character. Um, he's had series that have come and go over time. He's not somebody like a, a Superman or Batman or Iron Man that's had basically continuous publishing for, for decades and decades. Occasionally there's been times. Um, but these are the sort of characters I love. And um, I've read a lot of superhero comics. I've also read a lot of comics that are non-superhero um, from all the various publishers over the, over the decades. Um, currently I write reviews, uh, sometimes of comic books, sometimes of books uh, that are like histories about comics, etc. over at Comic Book Yeti. Um, and I just really enjoy the hobby and sort of the, the art form that is comic books. So being able to hang out here and talk to somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time with comics, get to share this, this hobby of mine is something that I'm really enjoying the idea of. That, that is, uh, that is great. Yeah. I have, my name is Dwayne and I have not read any comic books before. I, I, I've wanted to get into the medium, but I just really haven't. I am, uh, definitely a big fan of, of Marvel and the Marvel universe. Uh, originally, uh, growing up, I wasn't necessarily big into superheroes or anything. Michael Keaton, though, is is Batman to me. He always will be. I loved I loved him in those movies. The original X Men movies were great. Patrick Stewart and uh, Hugh Jackman, all that, um, and and even dipping into the Marvel realm, uh, Tobey Maguire, the original kind of big name Spider Man that really kind of brought 
Spider-Man into the mainstream, I feel like, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe brought everybody into the sort of mainstream. But it was Iron Man that really got me in. I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it on, on DVD uh, brief, uh, like a year and a half or maybe two years later and was like, oh my gosh. And since then, I've watched just about every movie uh, as soon as it comes out, seen uh, all the TV series. So I am, I'm very interested in the in this Moon Knight character. I did not know anything about him before you approached me and started telling me about um, the idea of talking about this character. But the idea of getting some more information about a character before diving into a TV series sounded really appealing to me, and so. There we are. We're, 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 I, I did not know I'd be reading. I didn't necessarily think I'd be reading comic books about this, but it's been interesting so far, and I'm very much looking forward to, to going on this journey with you and all of you that are listening uh, to, to, to find out about this character and, and that. So um, let's jump in. We have a stack of comic books that we read for this week. Uh, we call, called this episode The Original Origin. Uh, so this is like some of the first books that Moon Knight appeared in. Why don't you tell us about the stack that we looked at this week? Sure. So for those of you who maybe also were not comic readers of, of long standing, um, the Marvel Universe is interesting in that it's been going since essentially 1961 and has never really had an official reboot. So theoretically, almost every story that's ever been published for Marvel is canon. It actually happened within the context of that character. Right. So oh. all of the stuff we're going to be reading about here now from Moon Knight still does technically exist. It's the same character from the very first book that I read getting ready for this up to the very last one. Um, and as a note, um, in order to prepare for this, I actually went out, looked online, went through my collection and managed to reread every major Moon Knight appearance from 1975 up to the issue that just came out two weeks ago on the newsstand that I went down and got at the comic store. I would not recommend this as something <laughs> for just anybody to do. It ended up being about 330 comics in two and a half weeks or something like that. So I am full up on Moon Knight lore right now. Um, but what we're going to do today is we're going to start out with the comics that were sort of published back in the, the early to mid-70s at a time when Marvel was much less concerned with sort of very coherent storylines, a lot of that sort of stuff. The comics at that point really were something that were just sort of made for kids. They were a more throwaway entertainment, and it's a, a much simpler time. Um, that also means that the stories sometimes get just a little crazy. So what we're going to be talking <laughs> about is we're going to start out with the first appearances of Moon Knight in Werewolf by Night, 32 and 33. Uh, he appears as a guest star there in, uh, in those books. Um, we're then going to move on to Marvel Spotlight, 28 and 29, which are the first books where he actually uh, kind of gets his own, uh, his own character arc. He's the star of those two. Then after that, we've got a series of books in which he guest starred or worked with other characters. There's a Defenders run. Um, number 47 through 50, and he's also got a small appearance in 51 uh, that we will take a look at where he joins up with the Defenders on an adventure. Um, it's a chance to interact with uh, some other Marvel characters. 
And then also, uh, there's two team-ups that he has um, in Spectacular Spider-Man number 22 and 23. He teams up with Spider-Man. And Marvel 2-in-1 was the comic that the Hulk every month teamed up with another member of the Marvel uh, Universe. And issue 52, um, he teamed up with Moon Knight. So we're going to take a look at those. And the reason we chose these books as essentially our first phase of the Moon Knight is that these are all of the comics that sort of precede the, the era in which Moon Knight sort of turns into the character that we really know. All of these are the books that come before Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz kind of transform the character in a series of Hulk back, uh, backstories and then into his own book in the early 80s. So these are very different from a lot of the other ones that we'll be looking at, but they're a cool kind of window into how a character sometimes evolves very differently than how they were maybe initially envisioned. So that's uh, that's the stat for today. That, that was, I, I, it was a very interesting set of comic books to read. As some of the first comic books I've ever read, they were they were really kind of some interesting stuff and it and it did sort of you know you talked about them being mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of other sort of series and stuff and so it felt it felt kind of like that a little bit but yeah. also it just sort of um it was just sort of interesting the interactions with the with the characters and stuff and so i'm I, i'm excited to start about this where should we where should we start with werewolf by night then so i guess the main thing to note here is that Werewolf by Night had been around for a while. We come in at at issue 32, and it's essentially the story of a character named Jack Russell. That's that's the level of of sort of Marvel Comics at the time, is you've got a thing about a guy who becomes a werewolf whose name is Jack Russell. But um, he had had a story going on for quite a long time, and essentially he's someone who, normal guy, ends up getting bitten by a werewolf, turns into a werewolf. And that's the story of him trying to sort of control and get rid of his curse as he wanders across the Marvel Universe. And he has an established backstory at that point. He's got a bunch of characters who are important to him, that sort of thing. And Moon Knight then sort of parachutes into this as a as sort of a villain of the month. Um, what's interesting is, you know, as we go through and, and take a look at it, he is specifically designed, and then Doug Mensch, uh, who wrote the issue and then wrote a lot of Moonlight later, even sort of talks about this, that he was designed as a villain of the month, specifically as a, a character that would be a good foil for a werewolf, right? His, he's all dressed in silver. He's got silver implements so that he can use them against the werewolf. He has, um, you know, the powers of the moon. Um, all that sort of thing. And and essentially, when he comes in, Mark Spector is not, even at that point, uh, a superhero or a supervillain. He's just a hired mercenary who comes in and is hired by this shadowy group called the Committee, who are like, hey, we want a werewolf. And here's some, here's some you know, a uniform that will help you in, in catching a werewolf. Go out and get us one, and we'll give you $10,000. He says, "Sure, I can. I can do that, right?" It it seemed crazy to me that that was the introduction, the first first iter. 
iteration or first introduction to 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 the character i was i was just sort of i guess i was expecting this big huge sort of backstory important this is how he came about and it felt like and and i at the end of that first issue the the biggest takeaway was they listed his his resume or his CV uh, as to what this character is. And he's just some guy and they're off. They offer him, like you said, they offered him the uniform, but he's just like, they're talking about him before he's even in the room. And they're like, well, who is this guy? Why, why are we hiring him? And he, the, the description of him is amazing. And I want to read that. It says soldier of fortune, mercenary veteran of three African wars, five South American revolutions, Brief flirtation with the CIA, weapons expert, versatile practitioner of virtually all of martial, all the martial arts, ex prize fighter, marine commando for eight years prior to beating up a lieutenant within an inch of his life, etc. <laughs> that was the description of this character. Yes, and and oddly, an awful lot of that sticks. As, as really? weird as it is, um, that is that is Mark Spector. He he remains a very very bad man for the next forty some years, um, and we'll and we'll see how he deals with that. Sometimes productively and sometimes not so productively as we go along. But yeah, um, they they basically yeah set him up to be this guy who everybody's got unbelievable training, you know, when they start out, um, but. Really, it, it is a very generic start. You know, he's just a generic mercenary bad guy with a list, an unreasonable list of accomplishments and things on his on his resume. Um, but it is it is interesting that a lot of besides that resume, a lot of other things that become really important to the Moon Knight mythos are introduced. You know, we get the helicopter. Moon Knight is always going to be. With his helicopter, we get, and I, I'm spoiling things for you, but I'm going to have to, Frenchie is important, right? Frenchie's going to be somebody we keep seeing for a long time. Um, he kind of starts to see a lot of these things that it, it's amazing a lot of times when you look at comics, how the core elements of a character come together really early. You know, you look at Batman, you look at Superman, you look at Wonder Woman, you go back to the very first issues and a lot of the things that define them for the next almost century, they're there within the first few issues of the of the, the character coming about. And Moon Knight's got some of that too. One thing that was interesting, I thought, is that these are almost all action in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but these yeah. are bad guys, right? I mean, Frenchie like kidnaps um Jack Russell's uh sister and his girlfriend at gunpoint. And has them tied up in the chopper and delivers them over, right? Um, so they're they're not nice people in this one. Um, and even at the end, when he defeats, uh, he eventually they they capture the werewolf, and then how how did you feel about him at the end? Like the how believable it was that he made his his hero turn at the end there. Yeah. So he bring he brings Jack Russell in. They put him in a cage there, but he. He they he gets him after he turns back into the the guy Jack Russell yep. and so he brings him in 
and the committee doesn't believe him that this is the werewolf that they sent him out for and they put him in a cage they wait for all day until night comes out to see if he's a werewolf and he is he, he becomes a werewolf and then it's like right at that moment you know they're they like the committee's like okay thank you for your service here's the here's the 10 grand that we promised you and they like were kind of like dismissive of him and he suddenly gets kind of irritated by that and he's like you know i could have just done this the whole time and he basically just kind of kicks kicks the the cage to the point where uh you know where the werewolf jack russell could get out and then the two of them just sort of clobber the entire committee it it, it seemed it seemed surprising i guess i was sort of expecting the the issue to just sort of end and somebody else was going to come in and kind of help save the day of this character so i i don't know if it's believable necessarily but at the same time it's like okay this this sort of thing just sort of happened Nope. Yeah, it's it's he's a full-on villain at the end of 32. And sometime uh it seems like the speech that the werewolf by night gives where where he's like I'm, you know, I'm a person, you can't keep me in a cage as a pet because that was right. essentially what the committee was like. We want to we want a werewolf as a pet we can send out to murder people. And that re- that really evidently uh got to Specter. He didn't he didn't like that much. So right. that ended up being kind of the the turning point at which point even then though he he doesn't stop the werewolf from pretty much murdering everybody and he keeps the 10 grand so we're not <laughs> yeah, we're not yeah. dealing with a hero here right we're no. dealing with a guy who just is less of a villain than the committee he's like right. you guys you guys are actually a little bit past what i want to deal with and so yeah but it it appears that the committee is completely dead the werewolf's murdered all of them and that that, yeah, he's 10,000 richer because after betraying them, he kept the money and is hanging out watching the werewolf take off. So what do you think? You get done with 33. What did you think of our our hero, Moon Knight, at this point? <laughs> hero? That, yeah, that's... I Honestly, I was I was actually surprised that that was his introduction. I If you would have told me that you never see this character ever again i would not be surprised he he did sort of feel like the this is the villain of the month uh mm-hmm. he, he he's gonna make things difficult for our heroes and then they're gonna defeat him and he's going to just kind of sort of fade into the background so yeah. it, it's it's interesting to me to know that there's 300 to close to 400 appearances after this um, based on this uh, the, this two ca- comic origin. Yep. Well, and, and the way things sometimes happen is, evidently the story went out, some of the other writers thought it was a, a good character, and then also they started getting some some fan mail, because they'd listened to, Marvel listened a lot to letters that came in, things like that, from which characters people liked. And so, Werewolf by Night is 1975, uh, the next two books we look at, he comes back in 1976. He's not in Defenders until um, 1977. The Spectacular Spider-Man's for two issues in 78, and then that one um, two-in-one issue in 79. We're actually talking like five years. He appears a total of, what, maybe 
10 times, something like this. Um, But that's the way it sort of goes is that these characters, if they, if there's some interest, they start putting them into some other things, seeing if there's interest. And then in the early eighties, he gets his own book and things start to happen for him. But these really are just spot appearances. So it's weird. You know, you, you're like reading them all and you're like, Oh, he's kind of popular. You know, he's one after another. Well, there's, there's eight to ten, <laughs> there's there's a, eight yeah. to ten months between yeah, issues. Like right. he'll get two issues and then he gets another two issues and then he plays around in Defenders for a little while. But this is not a regular in the universe at any point uh, in the in the seventies. He's just kind of finding little spots where people want to use him. But Marvel Spotlight, which is the next one we can go on to, is actually interesting because that's the first time we see a lot of the things that really make Moon Knight more interesting. Uh, he first gets his personas there, um, where we see Stephen Grant, the, the playboy. We see Lockley, the cabbie. Um, and then we see his specter identity, which is, is almost like his, his base identity that he doesn't use much anymore because he's the, the specter identity is sort of who he used to be, and it's the middle identity. Now he's got high class and low class when he wants to go and you know be at the be at the mayor's ball so that he can can uh, somehow or another get the info he needs he goes with his um, with his grand persona if he needs to go out on the street and get information then he's going to take Lockley out in the cab. Um, interestingly, none of these are ever a disguise, right? He looks pretty much the same only he puts on a it fake does. mustache, <laughs> right? He does. Um, this is not, he's not a, he's not a Sherlock Holmes type, you know, master of disguise. Um, he's also got Marlene there. Um, her name is called, is Marlene Fontaine, which is going to be interesting over time. Um, but she is essentially sort of his personal assistant, sort of his girlfriend. Um, and, and then this is probably the closest he becomes to being almost a classic Marvel hero, like a like like yeah. the kind of of superhero you'd think. He's, yes, he's very bland, but he is super right. He's got the powers because this is at the point where they're like he got bitten by the werewolf during the fight, and now when he's in a in a full moon or under the power of the moon at night, he gets stronger based on how strong the moon's phase is. So See, they they mention that in in this epi- in these issues they mention it. There's yes. like three panels where they talk about the fact that his powers are based on the on the moon. So he's stronger at night. They said you know he's strong normally because you know that ridiculous background he's got. But you know he's yep. even stronger in, at at night. And the fuller the moon is, he's even stronger. But it, I never connected the fact that it was because he got bitten by Jack Russell, that that's where those powers came from. It was yeah. not, it was not clear to me. Yeah. That's, they, they talk about that um, as they move on, that it was when he was fighting Jack Russell, he was just a, a guy and then he got his superpowers. And I think they were just playing around with this. They're like, well, if he's going to be a hero, he should have powers. How do we give him powers? Now, everybody else, when they get bitten by a werewolf, turns into a werewolf at night. So how he <laughs> yeah. somehow manages to just get powers from it, I'm not sure. But um but in these, yeah, I mean he he's facing off against a, a kind of goofy villain. Um but 
these are interesting stories. They're fun stories. They're just kind of, um, you know, the the sort of it, thing where he's got a bad guy who is he calls himself the Conquer Lord, one of terrible villain. Um, but the Conquer Lord's got a big plan, and he monologues a lot. He's got Doctor Evil type, you know, pits where eventually he captures Marlene and hangs her upside down over crocodiles with one of those bags of sand that's just leaking a little bit. Um, it's it's really it's like you know peak seventies goofiness in comics. This could almost have been like an old Batman episode in it, some ways. It, it really so, felt like no, you could have put any superhero that we think of or know in this mm-hmm. spot and it would have it would have felt exactly the same way it was it was the you know i'm gonna go to the party because i hear there's an assassination ch- attempt at the mayor and then all the the girl gets captured during my attempt to foil the assassination attempt bad guy leaves with the with the girl strings up the girl to try and get as bait, I guess, for the the bad guy. The bad guy comes in and and then mm-hmm. saves the day, and defeats the bad guy. It just it was yeah. it was it was crazy. But he was a he. It was so counter to what the what the werewolf by night was because he was kind of a villain bad guy. There, this was. I'm a good guy. I I'm going to mm-hmm. stop this this conquer lord from getting the getting his mare puppet in in there and i'm gonna stop this assassination from happening and then yep. i'm gonna save the save save marlene so it was it was yep. it was quite the contrast they it seems like they liked the they liked the costume they liked the idea of the character they didn't like where it started so they just kind of forgot about and and there are occasional times as we move along where they reference back to it and just go yeah you know well we didn't like the original origin so here's a new origin that tells how that can still be canon without us having to deal with it properly. So they just sort of wallpaper over. <laughs> and we'll talk about those as we get to them. I don't want to give them away. I'm, l- I'm looking forward um, to that. So, but, but I mean, really in this one, this was the sort of almost, yeah, like the, the, the Batman 66 TV show version of Moon Knight, right? So he's had his, he's had his star turn. He's had a couple of books. Marvel, um, did this pretty regularly. Stuff like Marvel Premiere, Marvel Spotlight, were used to allow them to take these characters, put something out there, and then see how people responded. And then depending on how that response came back, then sometimes it would continue on into their own series. Um, Can we talk a little bit more about the alter egos or the the Stephen Grant and and Lockley, the cab driver? Did... Do we get any more information about how he decided that these were going to be the the these alter egos and and like when he would use them because like it was so jarring to just be like okay I'm he's being referred to as Steven and like Frenchie always calls him Mark and and it was just it was it was just it was so Weird. I'm like trying to keep track of of like four different characters that are all the same, just different. He's got like a different outfit on. Basically, was the only there, difference. There are generations of Moon Knight fans out there just shaking their head knowingly at that question. By the way, <laughs> because okay. we spend four, we spend forty years trying to figure out just what the hell is up with all of these characters. Um, I will say that for right now. If you just read them, it seems to me 
that he is almost like a Sherlock Holmes, where these are characters where he's putting on disguises, right? Okay. How did that feel to you? Like, what did you think these, what did you think that Mark Spector versus Stephen Grant, like, what was he up to with that? What was, what was that about? I mean, it definitely felt like a like a hat tip to like a Bruce Wayne Batman sort of thing. It's like it, I want it. It felt almost like they were trying to take bits and pieces from other places that would make sense and get him in the most number of situations where he could do something. And mm-hmm. and like it just I, I don't know it it like. It just it, it was just so weird to be just like I I know this one character and then he's got this alter ego that's the superhero, right? And then all of a sudden the next books there's these two random identities that he just suddenly has and 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 most people it feels like know him as or like the upper echelon people know him as Stephen Grant. And then there's like these street folks, like the the the, the diner worker and and the and some of them that that know him as you know the the cab driver and all this. And he's always late, but we're gonna keep him on the payroll because I don't know. But you know, because there was a discussion even in the, in in these, like the guy never shows up on time. You know, he doesn't take enough, he doesn't get enough fares, this that and the other thing. Yet we're not gonna fire him. Yes. He's just gonna keep doing it. Um, I I don't even know where to begin explaining this to you, <laughs> except just to say you have hit upon a core element of what makes Moon Knight really special. Okay, and in fact, most of the most of the writers, and there are a lot of writers over the next. 40 years who are really really good writers in comics who have taken a swing at what's going on with moon knight and kind of you know who who is jake lockley who is stephen grant all this sort of stuff um just wait for it we will we will have lots to talk about right now the interesting thing to me is when I read these first few, I have the feeling that Mensch was almost thinking of them as, because it even talks about Conquer Lord uh, when somebody, he's being briefed by somebody and they're like, he's got these identities and many more. Almost like he is that that guy who's got a thousand faces. Interestingly, in this case, all thousand of the faces look exactly the same. <laughs> which, exactly. which probably makes it makes it questionable how useful they are. But, yes. but that he's a, yeah, a person who kind of has all these different um, identities that he uses to get different places. Um, and, and then that gets expanded on over the next few years as different people start taking that different directions. Okay. So I, I, I'm willing to, you know, I'm going to keep going with this, but it just, that was, that was the thing that kind of stuck out to me from this set is, you know, the, the, the first mention of the strength based on the moon and, and these alternate personas that, that he just has in his back pocket mm-hmm. and he can quickly change. He's always yep. got a suit in the trunk and he, he could very easily change from Lockley, the cab driver to, to Stephen Grant. Yeah. It, uh, Considering how big that costume is, it doesn't even make sense. And they never explain that he's got like some, you know, 
secret ring it pops out of like the flash or something he's just somehow able to go from being in like shorts and a t-shirt to a full moon knight con costume in 10 seconds or something so anyway um yeah it's that's a that's a big part of what we're going to be talking about uh, okay. the other thing by the way just to kind of just to kind of note is when we're talking about Moon Knight, even if you've seen some of the previews, if you think about his origin, a lot of people would think that there's an Egyptian element to it. You haven't mentioned anything about that. I haven't mentioned anything about that. That's because there is none. <laughs> so, okay. be, again, we got to wait. But that's one of the reasons why we talk about this as being an original origin, is it's wildly different from what we're going to see when we start going into some of the later books, it changes okay. things almost entirely. Really? So, yep. So that's so, so. something we have to look forward to. Okay. Yep. Do do we want to switch gears and talk about the defenders now? Yeah, sure. And and defenders goes pretty quick, I think. Um, yeah. It's basically um, the defenders is a group of sort of B list Marvel heroes. They're not the Avengers. They're the defenders, right? But essentially the same thing. And they had a storyline that was going along that Moon Knight sort of dropped into the middle of for about five issues. And what he ends up doing first is seeing somebody getting beat up by Nick Fury. And he interjects himself into that fight, knocks out Fury and his shield agents, saves the guy. And the guy's like, take me to Dr. Strange's place because that's they'll be able to help me. He gets there. We find Valkyrie and some of the other defenders. And then relatively quickly, as usual, we end up in a fight where the defenders are all trying to beat each other up and not doing anything particularly productive. Um, within a relatively short time, though, they find out that Scorpio and his Zodiac uh, are involved in all of this. And... A massive fight ensues. This is all something, again, that's very comic book. Because you find out that um, the Nick Fury that we see is actually a um, a life model decoy version of Nick Fury. Is, I, I loved a, that. I loved fake, that. A fake robot version. But this particular fake robot version actually gained consciousness and became essentially a real sort of Pinocchio-type figure. Um but he looks exactly exactly like Fury. He's got Fury's memories, but he's working for the other side. He still thinks he's the good guy. Um, but they have to go through. They got to defeat him. The LMD dies. Uh, it's all very very strange, as most of the stuff from then is. But Moonlight just kind of is hanging out, um, helping them out, helps drive the story forward. What's interesting about these and a lot of the other team-ups is that nothing really happens for character development in these books because they're all about action and they're about the characters kind of fighting each other to see who's stronger and having some quips and stuff like that. Uh, but Moonlight does talk about the fact that he's not really a team player and that being a member of a team isn't his thing. He helps out on this one adventure, which takes like five issues to get through the whole thing. And then just kind of says, yep, uh, this has been fun. Hops on his chopper and takes off. Um, probably the most interesting thing from his perspective or from the perspective of Moon Knight is that 
he's actually put in a death trap by Scorpio and saves himself by using a beer. So <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes, he, he, there, there, he, there's apparently air in the beer, and he like put it. In, they showed him like putting it in his mouth because this chamber got sealed, filled with water, and basically Scorpio said it'll stay filled until no man would would be able to survive, and then it'll drain itself. And they open it. The and he like goes that this is. At, the, at night and then comes the next morning opens it up expecting to see the body and the body is gone and you're just like it's so ridiculous sort a little bit of air in the beer can to allow yeah. him to just survive long enough yeah yes. it's uh now one thing on this the the art on these was actually done by keith giffen and his early art looks very much like jack kirby and a lot of these artists from that time actually you know, they were we were starting to get to a second generation of artists that instead of having been trained to be fine artists and then found jobs in comics, these are guys who grew up on comics, idolized a lot of these, uh, you know, the early comic artists of the 60s, and their styles really reflected that. Um, but these were fun to watch. There's a the splash page of, of 49 is just Moon Knight uh, by Giffen, and I really liked that a lot. Um, it was... It was mostly interesting from him, and you know he he hits the Hulk with a moon dart, and then Hulk tries to smash him and stuff. It's pretty pretty standard. Um, we if we go ahead, I was gonna. I, so just from the standpoint of not really knowing the defenders very well, you you mentioned that they're kind of the 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 oh, second sure. tier Avengers. I I really was kind of curious. I I don't know anything about the defenders, so like, what is the deal with? them they, they kept talk, talking about it being a non-team team and and it was led by until this set of issues dr dr strange but in the very first issue issue 46 that we read he's like i'm i'm done i can't i can't do this anymore he he, he kind of intimates that he's not really much of a team player either <laughs> and and is like this this was kind of a convenience thing and now it's not really convenient anymore and i could i've got other things i should be doing and and then like half the team leaves and yes. and and so like is it i mean i've i've seen there's a there's a tv series there's obviously more issues of the defenders but like is this supposed to be unlike the avengers where it's kind of the same heroes is this supposed to be kind of a rotating uh, roster of, of, of heroes? It's not so much that it's supposed to be a rotating version. It's that the Defenders themselves um, are mostly composed, initially were composed, of heroes that didn't really want to, you know, like it's got the Hulk on it. And the Hulk's like, ah, Hulk not on team puny humans, whatever. And then he, he goes away at the end of <laughs> yeah. every issue. But then he always comes back, right? So they were they were sort of a... None of them ever wanted to admit that they were a team and join up. Like the Avengers would have times where someone would join the Avengers and someone else would leave the Avengers. And it was almost like, you know, you'd get your, you'd get your card and you could meet at Avengers Mansion. And, um, you know, Justice League did the same thing. It had a roll call where it had only so many people on it. The Defenders really more was like they'll take anybody they can get because somebody's always leaving. And it was more of a non-team team where they were just 
they'd call each other when they needed or they'd end up getting stuck together or something like that. Um, there were an awful lot of rosters for the defenders over time. Um, and, but I, I always really enjoyed them. They were, they were quirky characters and it's a, it's a, it's actually a really cool, uh, book. The later defenders, um, are some of the ones that like the, the Netflix series and the like, um, that's totally different characters. Um, yeah. That was entirely like- new generation. None Iron of them Fist and Luke Cage yep. and and some of those, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, should should we switch to talking about the spectacular Spider-Man and the Marvel two-in-one then? Yeah, and, and really, I think you know, mostly for for folks out there who are looking at trying to get the the best bang for their for their time out of reading about Moon Knight to get ready for things, um, I would say that this early phase. Most of it can be skipped. I'd read. I'd read the the Werewolf by Nights. I'd read the, um, maybe, uh, read the Marvel Spotlight stuff just because I think that that does a lot of the development. But Defenders and then the Spectacular Spider Man twenty two and twenty three and Marvel two and one fifty two, really they are just standard crossovers. Two heroes run into each other. Uh, usually, like in the Spider Man one, they start fighting each other first, and then uh, they're basically. Uh, Spidey thinks that Moon Knight's trying to kill a suspect, and so they start fighting, and they fight for like most of an issue, and yeah. uh, and you don't really find out a lot new about uh, Moon Knight in either of those, other than in in Spider Man twenty two and twenty three, we do find out that he's got a moon cave with what looks to be a massive moon computer. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's not a dinosaur or a giant penny, but it's still pretty clear that at that time they're more and more looking at this guy as kind of a, you know, positioning him as a cut rate, cut rate Batman for the, um, for the Marvel universe. Um, although that never sticks. Uh, I mm-hmm. will tell you that he does not have a bat cave. So it's, it's relatively weird that we see that in here. Uh, he does have a kind of hidden lair type of stuff. Um, but they never really talk about it or use it in the way that it is in, in Spider-Man 22 and 23. Um, and then in Marvel two and one, uh, we learn a little bit more about them again. They, they flesh out some of that CIA training or use it, uh, because the villain actually is someone who theoretically, his name's William Cross. He's Crossfire. Um, and he evidently trained Spectre in how to withstand torture and brainwashing at the CIA. And then that becomes a key part of how, while everyone else is laid low uh, by by Crossfire's plot, um, Moon Knight is somehow able to stay free, or get free, and then save everyone. Uh, because Crossfire's trying to essentially destroy all of the heroes in New York. So, but, uh, yeah. They were they were fun. They were interesting. I, it, it was interesting because it's like, those last issues, there was a lot of mistrust or they just did not know who Moon Knight was. And so instantly they assumed he was a bad guy. He was trying to 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 be to do something uh against what they were trying to do. And and, and it was it, it was just I, I it was sort of weird because it's like, well, didn't they know about the stuff that kind of happened before? But yeah, I guess it was different characters that he was working with when he was with the Defenders or or that sort of thing. So, you know, 
Well, but also keep in mind that, you know, in all of these books, and this will be something that changes a lot as we move forward, the idea always was any comic could be somebody's first comic. It was kind okay. of Stan Lee's thing back in the day. So every comic had to have enough of a recap in it that anybody who picked up that comic and hadn't read previous issues or know about that character could relatively quickly know what they needed to to be able to understand and enjoy the story. So a lot of times that's where you get your monologuing, where there's all of this stuff where they're recapping somebody's origin, they're recapping what happened in previous issues that got us to where we are now. Yeah, there's a lot of asterisks and then it says see this yep. this issue or you know this comic this issue uh for yep. what they're talking about and and you know with spider-man by the the 70s they're not going to re, you know recount uncle ben being killed every issue or whatever because the assumption is there's a baseline of knowledge people have but sure. moon knight again is only appearing in like one or two comics a year out of the whole line and then he's on the shelf for another year so they're going to recap what's going on with him every time that they bring him out so that people are more likely to know who this is. Yeah, because um, you could have easily missed the Marvel spotlight, or you could have missed that Defender run where he appeared. And so, I, I, I was curious about like a, you after the cover art, you open page two, and the, there's always kind of the 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 big uh, splashy title of the the issue and stuff. But they always like above the kind of Stan Lee presents. There was always this like three or four line description of of like the series and so like they're they always they recapped like who the defenders were that were in this non-team team and that sort of thing and i was i was kind of curious where that came from but that makes perfect sense if you're it's it's more that kind of baseline knowledge that if you've not read before you pick up an issue for the first time this is this is so i stopped reading it after a little while because it ends up being the same i uh, it's it's this is the sort of thing that I don't even notice those. I stopped reading them 20 years ago. So it, it, I even forgot that exists. But yeah, absolutely. That's something they did. Every, every Marvel comic and most, I think DC comics as well, just the Marvel one was very specific the way it did it. Uh, at the beginning of every issue, there was that little blurb. And then depending on how big the story was, there would be others. The other thing they didn't like to do was if you look at Werewolf by Night, um, there's like an eight page segment in there at what is chronologically the start where basically they're just standing around a hospital bed talking about how the werewolf has hurt this guy. And there's a bunch of that had to be put in the middle because Marvel didn't want kids to open a book, see people standing around talking for eight pages and throw it away before they'd even. So the first three pages on, you know, 28 yeah, or, or on 32 are immediately just werewolf by night and moon night beating each other, each other up yeah right yeah just slugging it out and you're like and, how did we get here yep and if you if you read back to 31 you'd be like who's this moon night guy why are they fighting but they wanted to make sure they got the action in early to get people hooked and then they went back and told you how how we got here essentially why these yeah. two are fighting um but that had to be it's the same way. They always wanted to make sure they had that action in early. And you don't see that in modern books now. They just kind of do things in the time that they do them. Uh, they also expect you to sort of be up on things and don't really spend a lot of time recapping. 
Um, okay. By the time you get to the books from like 2015 to 2018, I was reading earlier this week. If you didn't know what was going on already, God help you, because the, the comic is not going to help. It's you. not going to not, not going to pick it, you pick you up. It, no, and and some of it was it was pretty pretty specific and pretty obscure. So yeah, they you know as time goes on, um, readership got older. They were able to depend on the fact that people were able to get a hold of reprints or were able to get their comics you know held for them at the comic store. Um, and now it's less and less of an issue making sure that they they do that. But, you know, when I started reading in the 70s and 80s, unless you had a subscription, you were at the mercy of anybody else who happened to get to the store before you for your comic store. And if everybody else decided they wanted to buy Moon Knight and you had, you know, the first four issues, but you didn't have five, oh, where would you get it? You know? Yeah. Um, because we didn't have comic stops back in the 70s. They were just getting started. So this is a completely different market and a completely different way of getting the books. So so did we go through all of the characters and places and things? This, this looks like it takes place in like a New York sort of scenario. Like Absolutely. all of these. So, yeah, we could, we could definitely talk a little bit about that. It is New York. Okay. DC has fake cities. They have Gotham. They have Metropolis. Marvel, most of the heroes in the Marvel Universe actually are based in New York, which is also where the offices of Marvel Comics were and where most of the early heavy distribution of Marvel Comics was. So Moon Knight crosses paths with Spider-Man and with the Fantastic Four and with all these people because he's actually active in the same city as them. And they use the same, you know, Queens and Brooklyn, and they use the same everything. Um, they essentially set it in real life. But then more than that, yeah, we're looking at, you know, Gina's Diner. Uh, we're looking at uh, Stephen Grant's mansion. A lot of these places start to get put in, and that becomes kind of the basis for, uh, for the Moon Knight's world. Uh, they all are in different places, too. So, like... Daredevil is based in Hell's Kitchen, and he sort of is the protector of that area. Um, different boroughs and, and areas sort of have different heroes that that are assigned to them almost, or that they adopt. And so you see that kind of as you go along, that they'll move through each other's territories and, and meet. Um, they also, I mean, more generically just are in New York a lot of times, but... Technically, some of them almost, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man has a neighborhood. And that's right. his core place he's patrolling. Okay. And you, you had mentioned Frenchie. We see Frenchie pretty much throughout all of this. This is his pilot, helicopter yep. pilot. And yeah, the, 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 the string ladder going down that Moon Knight just hops on and just goes flying, yep. <laughs> flying off. It's something you see a lot through these, and this is something we're going to see going forward, it sounds like, quite a bit. Yep, he uh, he just hangs out in the air and is his support. Um, we're gonna, you'll learn a lot about Trenchie as we go along. There are a lot of developments for him um, over the next while. A lot of developments for Marlene as we, as we move along. Uh, you know, all of these characters, I think one of the interesting things is Moon Knight keeps a relatively small cast of characters, of main characters, 
over the decades. But it does actually allow for development on them. Um, you know, the Moon Knight main character, he changes uh, as, you, as you move along. Um, you know, Gina has plot development. Crawley has development. Um, Frenchie, Marlene, uh, you really get to sort of know them. And they they are not cookie cutter characters by the time you're done. They really do have a, a well-developed um, story arc. So. so real quick, before we look ahead to next week's stack, one thing I did want to mention, which was interesting, was just kind of the initial reading of comic books for the first time. This is my first real attempt at reading comic books. I, I, I've bought some in the past. I've participated and grabbed some comics dur during free comic book day, all that sort of thing. But I haven't gotten more than a couple pages in. And, and, and so to actually complete one start to finish and then multiple, it was an interesting experience. And, and, uh, it was different because like, Part of it was I, I was reading reading through an app. We we have access to Marvel Unlimited, so that's where I'm reading most of these. But like, one thing I tried doing was reading like an actual full page uh, of one uh, of some of these issues, and I found it incredibly difficult to read when I could see the entire page, the entire comic book page, the multiple panels. That were on a page. the The Marvel app, when I was use when I use it, they have this like panel view, which was which is really interesting because it'll actually, you know, go panel by panel through the through the comic book, and panels that are larger than like than then they can put on a screen. They'll like separate it, and so you'll see like the left side, then you'll see the right side, and you'll you'll actually be able to kind of follow because. Like when I was seeing the full page, I didn't necessarily know what to read first or what, where, where, where to go. Like, is this? I, I guess what I'm asking is, is 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 that common for people that are just starting out, or is this a, you know something that I just you it it it's just my personal experience, I guess. I know. So so first off. Reading comic books is a, a skill at a certain level. It's something that is learned. Um, for the most part, though, there are conventions that if they're followed properly by the people making the comic books, it makes it relatively straightforward. Um, there were some times in the books that, that we read where the artist didn't follow proper panel order. Um, there's a, there's a guy, um, the name of Mike Waringo, who, uh, he died a few years ago, brilliant artist, but he was somebody who I'd, I'd read a few things from where he was very passionate about making sure that everything was readable. He's brilliant artist and his stuff was just absolutely clear. You, you knew exactly what was happening all the time. And it was because he was very careful about making sure that everything read from left to right, up to down. And you never had those weird spaces where you weren't sure whether your eye was supposed to go to the right or your eye was supposed to go down. And the worst thing that can happen in a comic 
is when your eye is drawn down and there's stuff you're still supposed to see up to the right. Yeah. And so yeah. if that happens, the problem is that, and this will happen to me if the artist or the letterer has screwed it up, you're then drawn specifically into kind of a, a, a problem that takes you out of reading the story because now your brain's got to engage and start going, okay, where am I supposed to go? Well, now you've lost the flow of the narrative. This is something that good letterers, good, uh, good artists, really good writers who are, are directing things will notice and they'll fix to make sure. But that said, I, I think that there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, I've been reading comics my whole life. I think most people through the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, when people were kids, they just naturally had comic books all, around all the time. I wonder if these days there are a lot of folks who haven't read comics their whole life, kind of like you, who would find, or, or if you have read comics, it's been newspaper comics, which almost entirely just read straight across. Right. So there's really no vocabulary there as far as that, that vertical element. Um, if some of that is something that doesn't come naturally, if you haven't been used to it. So as we move along, um, I know I saw one page um, where we did have that, where it dipped the wrong way, and it bothered me as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I suspect that this will be something that as you go along, it'll make more sense. But we could easily do an entire episode talking about this because there are, you know, um, Scott McLeod's Understanding Comics goes very much into some of this stuff. Um, there's a book called Unflattening that I've got around here someplace, which is brilliant and deals with that idea of the fact that a comic panel is just part of the page. And really, when you look at a comic page, even as you're looking at the panel, your subconscious is taking in the whole page and even the next page, which is why comic book artists who really know what they're doing will, if they want to surprise a reader, you don't surprise a reader by moving them from the bottom of the left page to the top of the right. You surprise them by putting your surprise at the next end of the page. right so that when they turn, you don't, your, even your subconscious doesn't know what's coming until you flip the page. And now there, oh, there's your monster, right? No. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to, and that's something that you wouldn't experience at all. Right. Because you're reading on a single page reader. So every page is a, is a, a left page or a right page. Right. Every page is a left page. Right. You always get the surprise. But yeah, there's a lot to making a comic book flow the way that the artist wants it to that that should just be done naturally but if it's done wrong you will notice it if it's done right you don't notice it right um sure. getting the panel right is sort of like being an offensive lineman the only time it's ever noticed is when when they make a mistake right yeah but it's uh it, it's really interesting stuff actually we we I think we are planning on doing a special bonus episode where we talk in more detail about kind of the the structure of a comic book and reading it and 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 some of that because I I think it's kind of interesting I want to know more about this 
and I and I think it might be a lot of fun. And specifically, if if you're new to reading comic books, and you're experiencing some of these uh, some of these issues as well, like I was, it was taking me like I don't I don't know how long it should take me to read a comic, but it was taking me 20 25 minutes to read a, a single comic book, and and I was I guess expecting that it wasn't going to take that long because I'm like there's you know a lot of pictures and and not as much dialogue but i still found myself kind of doing that so i i think it would i think it would be a good discussion um yep. well, it'll change you'll see a difference between the comics we're reading now and the one in the 90s and the one in the present because it the the way that the pages are constructed the way that dialogue is written it's all changing oh so I've got that to look forward to as well. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, let's let's look ahead. What is on the stack for next week? So next week is going to be pretty important. Next week's cool stuff. What we're going to actually be doing is moving into sort of the the actual Moon Knight um, sort of creative team that gets everything started and really gets us moving forward. So we're going to talk about two sets of, of books, basically. There's a series of backup stories in the Hulk glossy magazine, like the full-size newsstand magazine, um, done in 1979. Um, there were eight issues that Moon Knight appeared in. The first two were done by Doug Mensch with other artists, and then the last six were done with Bill Sienkiewicz, uh, which is really, I think, um, where Moon Knight takes off. Um, you had sort of this perfect mesh of the artist and the writer and the character that sort of made things go. So it'll be those Hulk magazine books and then Marvel Preview, number 21 in 1980, which is the book that sort of leads into Moon Knight's first series. So it'll be nine comics, um, but a lot of stuff to talk about because this is where we really start to get the character um, going from being sort of somebody who maybe you're going to see once in a while into being a, I guess what you call a, a solid B-list character uh, in the Marvel Universe. I, I am looking forward to uh, learning more and seeing more of the Moon Knight character. Uh, I think we want to thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you uh, downloading and listening. Uh, we hope that you plan on sticking with us as we journey through the story of Moon Knight. Uh, to do that, we would recommend you subscribing to the podcast on your podcast player of choice, whether that be Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. We are everywhere. We got out there pretty quickly. I was actually quite happy about that. Uh, if you are subscribed, you listen to this episode or um, you know maybe down the road, uh, we would love it if you would consider leaving us a review. It would help us help others find us uh, in those podcast players. You can send us questions and feedback via email at questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, other announcements, as well as to interact with us on social media, you can do that by following us on Twitter, and that is at phasesofmk. A short, shorter address than the full name of the show because we want you to actually be able to send us some some, some words after, after, the, uh, after the Twitter handle. So uh, until next week... Uh, thank you for, again for listening, and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot, folks.